Now, um, we're continuing in the Amazing Grace series, and this morning we have Scott Bauer coming to speak. Um, now, Scott's a very special person. Um, he is one of the leaders of Emmaus Road. Um, he is probably one of the most prayerful people that I know. Um, he just exudes, really, the presence of God, the thoughtfulness uh, he's very, very thoughtful um, uh, in everything that he does. Um, and he has such a heart for um, those who are oppressed and those in need. And um, he currently works for CSW doing that, championing those um, that don't have a voice. Um, so please welcome Scott. Morning. Oh. None of you around for the 9.30 chaos, were you? Crikey. That's it. It's good to be in this building and not running down the road to founders. Anyway, um, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Um, I've started using that as my sign-off and emails now. Since Hannah, Hannah um, opened up our series on grace, one of the things she... she, she showed us was that actually it's the way that Paul opens each of his letters and actually the way he signs them off as well. Grace and peace to you. Um, it works all right for me because I work for a charity. We're allowed to do that kind of thing. If you're in the banking industry, perhaps you should use best regards still. That's okay. Anyway, it's my job this morning to um, wrap up this um, little mini-series we've been doing on grace. Um, I want to talk about what it means to be graceful. Do you know... Um, Emmaus Road came very close to being called Grace. Um, a few years ago, before we, before we had the name change, we were called the Boiler Room, Guildford Boiler Room. We then went through this process. What are we, what's God calling us? What should we be? A name is a really important thing, by the way. And um, I was lobbying hard to be called Grace. Um, and others were lobbying for Emmaus Road. And uh, I'm not bitter about it, but uh, Emmaus Road... Emmaus Road won through. My argument, kind of partly, I kind of grabbed hold of the, the U2 song, Grace. And Grace, she takes the blame, she covers the shame. Grace, it's the name of a girl, but it's also a thought that changed the world. Um, so I lobbied on that, and I, I, I lost, but hey. There's no me in Emmaus, but there isn't us. So, um, Wrapping up four weeks of, uh, of grace, Hannah kicked us off. She challenged us, that, do we see the Father's smile? When we, when we consider God, do we see this, this grumpy old man scowling down at us? Do we see a benign figure, kind of indifferent? Or do we see the reality that, that God is smiling at each one of us? She said uh, as well, this, this line stuck with me. On the cross, God treated Jesus like me so he could treat me like Jesus. It's just reminded us, C.S. Lewis said, uh, it was question when he was asked, you know, what's, what's Christianity's unique gift to the world, unique gift to world religions? He said, it's grace. And then Ness Wilson from Loughborough came and she talked to us about, but how do you break those cycles of ungrace? You know, when you get into that, that, that thing of, of unforgiveness, kind of holding grudges, and how that can turn into bitterness, and what we need to do in our lives to address that. One of her, of her helpful um, reminders was we often get into this stuck of uh, get stuck into a cycle of spring cleaning our forgiveness. We go through seasons like 
every now and again, God will hit us with something and show us that we need to get right, both with him and with other people. So actually, if we can get beyond that into kind of a daily rhythm of kind of just making sure we're right with God, that we're forgiven and we're forgiving. And then we had Charlie Mackesy come and speak. Is everybody here for Charlie? If you haven't heard that one, that's definitely one to go and listen to on the website. Um, Charlie reminded us that Jesus was surrounded by sinners, which made us all feel rather better about ourselves. He talks about the prodigal son story. And then he told us this great story about hiding in a cupboard. Yeah, some people remember that story. Kind of hiding in a cupboard, uh, terrified for his life. And when the door opened and he was expecting a bullet, what he got was an embrace. And kind of how that is a picture of, of how some people view the church and some people view God. They come to him expecting a bullet, expecting to be judged. And what they find is an embrace. And then last week, Pete kind of almost interrupted our grace series, but actually what he did was really anchor that in the reality of, of the now, kind of talking following Brexit and kind of whether we're in or out of Europe and the chaos that's going around, our, our leadership elections, and kind of what's the, the world of politics and kind of what's just bitterness on social media and stuff like that. And how do we be graceful in the real world? That was really helpful. So all four have, have helped us in some way understand this beautiful gift from God this perfect, bespoke, unique gift that's just for you. I want to start by um, reminding us of some words that, that Paul wrote. When Paul was, Paul was talking in 2 Corinthians about this, this thorn in his flesh, this thing that was tormenting him that he wanted to be rid of, and he prayed that that might, might be taken from him, and it wasn't. Instead, he got this back from Jesus. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because my grace is made perfect in your weakness. For some of us here, I think that's all you need to hear this morning. My grace, hear this, my grace, the grace of the Father who loves you and calls you daughter, the Father that loves you, calls you son, my grace my grace, the grace of Jesus Emmanuel, who made himself man and came to live amongst us and suffer and die for you, my grace. My grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit, who speaks, guides, comforts, and counsels you, the grace of the Trinity, is sufficient. It is enough. No matter what you're facing today, whatever your week ahead looks like, no matter what's happened in your life, my grace, Jesus says, is enough. And this is the beautiful, beautiful bit. It's not just a, my grace is enough. For you. Jesus doesn't say that kind of to, to, to us en masse, although he does. He says that to you as an individual. My grace is sufficient for you. It's unique. Don't go getting jealous about somebody else's grace. This is yours. This is your perfect gift. This morning, what I want to do is take that, that unique gift, the idea of this kind of unique gift of, of grace towards you, and talk about how that can change the way we live. How does it, should it, can it change the way we, we live in the world? Um, we want to consider what it's like to be graceful and live um, an invited and an inviting life. On the, the walls of the prayer room, which is just finished. Have you had a good time in the prayer room this week? 
Yes, good. So I was there on, on Monday evening, um, and if you've been in, you'll know that this, kind of, this, is, this is a big white wall and kind of big letters saying, Amazing Grace. And then one of the first things that was written on the wall underneath that in bright felt tip was, Now let's dance. Now let us dance. Once we understand this thing of grace, this amazing grace that's so life-changing, so precious, how do we live with that? Now let us dance. So what if, I was sat in a prayer room considering this thing, so what if then, what if we saw life not just as a race to be run? It is, you know, there's... Paul does say that, you know, we fix our eyes on a prize and we, we run the race that's set before us. I'm up for a race. Or as a battle to be fought. And it is a battle, you know, this is, a, and as well as, it is a battle. If you think you're going through a battle at the moment, chances are you probably are, you know, and we need to be praying for you, with you. It's a battle against the, the powers and principalities in the heavenly realm. But what if, as well as a race, as well as a battle, that we started to live as if life was also a dance? And don't worry, I am talking a metaphor. I'm not going to be dancing. What if you saw it as a dance that we were invited into? What if you saw it as a dance that, was, that we were invited into by the Trinity and one that was to be enjoyed, one which we celebrated this life that is full of grace? Just watch this for two minutes. Alice, can we kill the lights?
What if we lived life like that? What if we lived life like it was a dance to be enjoyed? What if our job was to throw paint everywhere and enjoy ourselves and invite people into this dance? It was for freedom that Christ has set us for free. Jesus said that we might come and that we have life and have it to the full. That looks like life to the full to me. What if we danced with energy and enthusiasm? What if we lived with creative, lived creatively and released creativity? What if we lived with joy, an infectious joy that made other people smile? What if we danced with generosity and invited other people to join us? If we danced with hope and love? What if we showed the world beauty, dancing gracefully, so full of grace? Grace-powered, grace-fueled, grace-filled, graceful. And that's the dance that Jesus invites us into. The life that he invites us to live, the journey that he invites us to, to, to go with him on. Jesus, Jesus invites us, doesn't he? He, um, he once stood by a lake and invited a bunch of scruffy-looking adolescent fishermen, some failed rabbinic apprentices. He invited them. He said, come and follow me. And that's what he's doing to each of us. You know? And it doesn't just happen once. You know, Jesus doesn't just come to you once in your life and say, come and follow me. Actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's an everyday occurrence, or at least it should be. You know, I will choose to follow Jesus today. And Hannah reminded us in our first session on grace that it's not enough. It's not enough to know grace. So we have to live it. Lots of us know it, but do we live it? Do we know the beauty of it? Do we know the significance of that grace for your life? Do you know the cost of that grace? Um, in our simplistic sketch of, of this journey from judgment to mercy to grace, it's as if, um, I was chatting to my friend Ben earlier. Ben's one of the, the people I know who drives a lovely car. Um, I don't drive such a lovely car, but um, I have a bicycle. And for me, judgment is if I if I'm happen to be walking up Guildford High Street, completely distracted on my phone with my bike in my right hand, and I get too close to, to this car, and hey, the pedal is just gouged down the side of this flash car. Judgment says that, well, probably I'll get a broken nose, but um, I would at least be expected to, repair the, to pay for the repairs of that car. That's right, isn't it? That's... That's it. That's the way it works. Mercy trumps judgment. So mercy would be the owner of the car saying, do you know what? That's okay. That's okay. That's mercy. We like mercy. Mercy trumps judgment. Grace. Grace is so far removed from, from mercy, so far beyond mercy. And it's this thing we need to grab hold of. Grace is the owner of the car saying, do you know what? Don't worry about it. And here's the keys to the car. Here's the keys to the car. It's yours. And what we, sometimes we fail to realize is there is a cost involved in that. That car has come freely to me, but there was a cost involved to the chap who's just given it to me. He's just lost a very smart car. You know, when we talk about the grace in our lives, it comes freely to us, but there is a cost involved. Jesus died for us so that we might be able to accept that grace. We have to realize that the invitation from Jesus does have a cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, so a theologian and activist in the middle of the last century said this. It's a cheap grace. He talks about the difference between cheap grace and costly grace, and fake grace and real grace. 
So cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the, which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. And in, in our little illustration this morning, cheap grace is the invitation you get through the post that kind of goes on the notice board and says, well, do you know what? If I'm not too tired, if I've got nothing better on, then okay. Costly grace is realization that this is a golden ticket, that this is an access all areas, areas past you've just been given. And when you know that you've been invited when you receive that invitation through the post. It, de it demands an action. Not to do so reduces it to cheap grace. And when Jesus invites you, he expects an RSVP. When Jesus comes and says, come and follow me, he expects you to do something about it. Um, so more than, more than 10 years ago now, um, my family and I left the country, We'd sold, we sold everything we had. We sold our house, we sold our cars, uh, we sold all our stuff, um, except what would fit in the back of a camper van. And we followed God on what turned out to be a really a crazy adventure that was the, the, the most fun I've ever had in my life. Five years of traveling around Eastern Europe, helping churches, working with little NGOs, working with beautiful kids, Roma kids in, in shanty towns, helping to set up retreat centers and telling stories and talking to people and finding Jesus all over the place. It was a huge adventure and one which I'm so grateful we had and we're still having. But that all started from a place of invitation. Um, I, I was a mess in worship one day. I was on the floor in tears, repenting, God, I'm so sorry. Just, you know how you get a bit mushy, and your eyes have gone all funny and a puffy face, um, just sobbing. And as clear as anything, I didn't get, I didn't get what I was expecting. I was expecting a kind of, it's okay, Scott, I love you. I, kind of, I love you, I love you. But that's what I was expecting. What I got was Jesus, this impression of Jesus standing behind me, saying, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And do you know, at that point, I can see Jesus kind of just, just going to walk because he expects a response. He expects us to, to come and follow him. So perhaps Jesus is calling you today. Will you come and Talking in Morse code now, I think. So we're to, we, we need to know that we are invited. Know that this is a precious gift before all else. Know that you're invited. And thirdly, know 
we should be inviting. Jesus invites us, therefore we should be like Jesus and we should be doing some inviting ourselves. The road to Emmaus story um, would have ended very differently without the invitation at the end. We all know the story, right? You've got these, these two disciples that are leaving Jerusalem, going back home. They'd given up on everything. The, the, the phrase, we had hoped that Jesus was who he said he was. We had hoped. Hope is gone, and they're going home. They've had it. And Jesus comes and walks with them seven miles back to Emmaus. And on the way back, he's, he's explaining all through history kind of just where Jesus was throughout the Old Testament. And if he gets this, and he gets to the village, I don't know if you notice it, but Jesus makes to go on. Jesus was ready to say goodbye and walk on. It's the invitation that the two disciples gave him to say, come and stay with us. Come and eat with us. That's the moment that everything changed. Without that invitation, it would have ended very differently. Our dance needs to be inclusive. It needs to invite people in. It's not a holy, holy huddle, exclusive and unwelcoming. If it's your first time here, I pray that you're, you're felt welcome. Please don't leave this place without saying hello to someone and getting a good good Emmaus Road welcome. It's a dance which everybody is invited into and everybody invites others in. Um, when we lived in Macedonia, we, we went to a few weddings. And Macedonians do weddings a little bit differently. They do the dancing, especially at weddings, very differently. You know what dancing is like in this country at weddings? Let's not talk about that. It's the only time I, <laughs> I promise my wife that every time I, that I will dance at weddings. That's the only time she can expect me to dance. It's not a pretty sight. In Macedonian weddings, you do things very differently. Everybody stands around in a big circle and you take each other's hands and you're sort of up in the air like this. And you're doing kind of the left and the right and crossing legs and two steps right, two steps left and in and out. But you're doing it in a circle, so you're looking across to the other person on the other side and you're celebrating together. It's inclusive. You're doing it as a family. You're doing it as community. And the other thing you need to know about Macedonian wedding dancers is that if you're on the outside, there's an expectation that you break that circle wherever you like and you join the dance. It's fully inclusive. Be invitational. Whether that's the, the curry club we've got going at Mayas, whether it's your coffee mornings, whether it's you at work, whether you at play down the pub, be invitational. Include people. It's what Jesus does. Um, I just want to tell you a little story about my friend Yanusa. As Julia said, I work for a charity called CSW. We, we're a human rights organization that campaign and advocate for religious freedom for all people of all faiths around the world. Um, predominantly, that means we work with a lot of persecuted church, um, persecuted churches. This is my friend Yunusa. Yunusa runs our partner organization in, in Nigeria, in northern Nigeria. He also runs a church. But he runs a group of churches. Um, his church is about 700 people. Northern Nigeria, as you probably are well aware, is the home of uh, Boko Haram, um, which have the ridiculous accolade of being the world's most deadly terrorist organization right now. Utterly disgusting. Um, in the summer of 2014, Boko Haram were bombing churches every Sunday. Every Sunday, another church would get bombed. You wouldn't know which one it was. Every church... And it could be any church. So whatever village, you know, it's, and it's, you know, people, are, people are dying, people are seriously injured every Sunday. Can you imagine what that's like? 
So Yunusa grabbed his, uh, his people together, kind of the leaders of the churches, and said, what do we do? What's our response to this? Do we close? Do we say that's, that's it? No. Do we hide? Do we go meet somewhere where, where nobody's going to find us? But instead of that, what they did was they, they took a collection from across the churches. Um, and bearing in mind, this is northern Nigeria. This is not Guildford. Uh, this, is, this is giving of what you don't have. They took a collection. And they took that collection to the mosque, to the local mosque. And they gave it to the imam and said, said we, we know what's been happening. We will not allow that to build a, a wall between you and us. This, this gift is for the poor of your church so that they can celebrate with you the Feast of Eid. How about that for a response? How about that for a response to persecution? You know, how about if we adopted that as our response here? You know, if people talk against you, it doesn't matter, you bless them, don't you? Invite those. Invite those even who persecute you. Our actions should always look to build bridges and not walls. Pete said it last week. So who are you inviting? Where are you doing your inviting? I'd love us to finish in a second just by singing Amazing Grace one last time in this series. But just know this morning that this perfect gift of grace is held out to you. It's yours. My grace is sufficient for you. That Jesus invites you to join him on this dance. You're invited. And know that you should be doing some inviting as well. The grace of God compels us. We marvel at its beauty and we're invited to join with the Trinity to journey through life as a dance. And it's infectious. We invite others and turn the dance into the most wonderful, life-changing, society-transforming, culture-shifting, future-shaping dance. Amen? Amen. Pete, why don't we all uh, stand? So, Father, I thank you for your grace that is extended to each one of us. I thank you that you see us, God. I thank you that you see us. I pray that, that if you're here this morning, you don't know that you are seen and loved by God, that you would recognize that today, that God is smiling at you and holding out a perfect gift of grace that is unique and just for you. I thank you, Jesus, that you invite us on a dance. You invite us to live life well, full of energy and dedication and creativity and passion, God. And I pray that we would learn to be more like you, that we'd look to invite others to join us in this dance. You are a wonderful, gracious God. Amen.